Hello everyone out there in podcast land. This is Severin and Ambrosia and welcome to the original Designated Drinkers, the podcast where we dive deep into drinking one libation at a time. Today's podcast is brought to you by Wine Tannins. Wine Tannins. So in another episode, we kind of teased talking about Wine Tannins and what they do and all that other kind of fun stuff. So today we're actually going to speak about it. So without further ado, let's get some wine time. Wine time. <laughs> actually, today we're going to start off with a different libation. We're going to start off with some tea. Tea. Okay. Uh, so this is called lychee noir. It is made by the rare tea sellers here in town. And it is a black tea with uh, the lychee fruit. Lychee. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with it. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Am I supposed to drink it all or just sip it? Whatever you feel good with. It tastes pretty good. Yeah. It's um, it's tea. Tea. Yeah, I like it. It's 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 not refreshing because it's hot, but it has like a nice front and back to it. It's got I love the aromas on it. It's really fruity. Um, but the thing that I wanted to start off with is the tannin. Uh-oh. Am I going to get messed up from drinking the tannin in this tea? Absolutely not. Okay. I was making sure. So do you know what tannins are? Got things to do today. <laughs> um, not, not, not all the way. Not exactly. No. So can you please educate me? So tannin is a polyphenol, which are complex bonds of oxygen and hydrogen molecules that naturally occur in organic plant matter. So in seeds, stems, fruit skins, tree barks. And tannin binds to proteins, particularly in your saliva, in the case of us drinking it, and it creates a drying effect in your mouth. A drying effect. Oh, that makes sense. I can, I can taste that, I think. So if you take the difference between drinking water and drinking tea, you'll notice it can kind of it kind of dries your mouth out a bit. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I said. I can taste that. I thought it was because it was hot, not because of the tannins. No. If this chills down, we can set it aside and let it chill down and revisit it at the end of the episode. This actually makes a really good cold tea. Uh, you can see that that tannin is still going to be here. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm glad I didn't finish it because I was, I was going to down it. It was so good. <laughs> We've got more, too. Okay. Put that off to the side. Now let's talk about these other tannins. Wine tannins. So I brought two two wines today. Okay. Uh, brought a white wine and a red wine. Okay. Do you know the difference between white wine and red wine? Um, white grapes and red grapes. Wrong. Damn. <laughs> so actually, the Pinot Grigio grape, the Pinot Gris, is actually a black grape. The skin. Mm-hmm. No, I mean the skin of the grape. I'm still trying to guess the right answer. Yes, it oh, is the okay. skin of All the right. grape. So the only difference between white wine and red wine is that white wine doesn't see any skin contact time with dark skin grapes. And red wine, on the other hand, does. Okay. That's essentially it. And if we go back to the definition of tannin, we know that more tannin exists in the skin. More tannin exists in the skin, right. So which one are we starting off with? So this is an... Uni Blanc Colombert. This is these are actually the grapes used to make cognac. Uh oh. And Armagnac. Now nah, you know what I got to do, right? Yes. 
got to describe this bottle and read it and tell you what it's all about and everything. Our producer's over there laughing because, you know, this is the funniest part. Um, It's French for you. You're, you're going to like this one. Like will. <laughs> Produit de France. France. That's pretty good. Um, Coast de Gascogne. Unye Blanc Columbard. Indication... Graphicature, graphic, graphicique, protege. Okay. Um, this is a green bottle. Um, tall, what's the seven fifty? Mm-hmm. Um, and on the back, Laguer, two thousand nineteen, eighty percent Unge Blanc, twenty percent Columbard, Coste Gascogne, Indication. Protégé, white wine, southwest France. A crisp and refreshing <laughs> blend of two white grapes from the heart of one of the most exciting French growing regions, Domaine Le Gois. White is the perfect accompaniment for any occasion. Serve chilled at 47 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. We got the exact temperature. Um, a state bottled by... A number in France, um, product of France, contains sulfates imported by Montager Imports, LLC, San Francisco. And then we got the Surgeon General's warning, 11% alcohol by volume. And we have a QR code on the back. One day when we um, start farming some of the work on this podcast, I'll be going to like have pictures of everything up on the website. One day. One day. If you're that person to do it for us, you can hit us up and you might have a job for you. So just throwing that out there. Um, we cheers and let me give it a taste. So I like it. It's a good white wine, but forever in life now, I'm going to remember all those pairings from the butter and the tea and umani and everything else. But this is this is pretty good. I like this. So are you getting a lot of that tannic quality to this? Yes. Compared to the tea? Yes. You are. It's like dry mm-hmm. or making my mouth dry. Yeah. So there are some amounts of tannin in white wine. Um, and so when we talk about tannin and we're just using things to describe it, just how we would talk about the aromatics being you know, like a lot of like citrus fruit off of this and things like that. We talk about tannin uh, in terms of things like silky, powdery, velvety, powdery, plush, no, fine grained, no, polished, maybe, chewy, maybe, chunky. Grippy? No. Angular? No. Cotton? No. Suede? Yes. Satin? No. See, so these are all kind of textile words. Velvet. Velvet. Mm-hmm. That's what. But it doesn't taste like velvet because I think, oh, it's, it's a, it's a, um, I can't think of the name of it. Louis the 13th. Um, like the king? The the alcohol. <laughs> the cognac? The cognac. That's what it is? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. I've, I had some of that, and my, my buddy say, this tastes like drinking a silk scarf. And so there it is. It made me, made me think of that. The texture. Uh, so 
with um, with all of these terms that you can use and, and think about while you're tasting it, you also can describe them being soft, which would mean fine or delicate, which mm-hmm. is what I would say that a white wine would typically have. Mm-hmm. You can have moderate or medium tannins, or you can have big, powerful, and strong tannins. Okay. And so the other wine that I brought is a Malbec. Malbecs are known for having really strong tannins. Okay, now... This may lead us to an entirely another episode, or maybe we can come add on to this one. But my question is, um, is it true what kind of glass you drink out of changes the taste and texture of your beverage? It shouldn't taste the mouthfeel, which is what tannin is. It shouldn't taste the mouthfeel. It shouldn't change the mouth. Oh, the mouth change the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it'll definitely change the aromatics, one hundred percent. Okay, so that's why you had a glass where it kind of comes from the bottle and creeps up to the nose, and you swish it around and see if it got legs and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So what's happening with the we call that the bowl of the glass, and then the top uh, is where you stick your nose in. The larger the bowl, the more surface contact it'll have with oxygen, and the more aromatics will be released. If that wine needs oxygen, 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 oxygenation. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Gotcha. <laughs> or is it oxygen? Uh, now you got me messed up. I can't. Yeah. Oxygenation or oxygen? Fet- fetishism. Zenation. Fetishism. That's a really hard word to say. Yeah, I'm out. Um, <laughs> I, I have hard enough time reading these bottles with all these languages of countries that I haven't been to yet. So w- once I once I touch down in France, you are, um, you have free reign to come talk bad about me for butchering the reading. No, it's hard. Uh, so Gascony, where this is from, uh, I actually was there for my birthday in 2019. Oh, okay. Oh, so win that bottle. Did you bring it back with you, or is just I did not. just happened? I drank. That was 2019. Okay. And then we had a pandemic in between. So I 100% drank everything that I brought back from I've Gascony. erased that from my memory. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, fair enough. But um, I was at uh, uh, Glitcap, the Great Lakes International Cider and Perry Competition last week. Um, and uh, my job this year was to be the judge czar. I was in charge of leading all of the judges. And we ended up as a team judging 1,600 ciders. Wow. It was intense. And uh, my job in not only was keeping time and yelling at people and herding cats, another one was if there was a dispute between the judges at the table on if a cider was flawed or what metal it should get, uh, it was my job to come up and smell it and taste it and give the final call on what I thought was appropriate. So you were like the Supreme Court. Yes. Okay. Except one. A Supreme Court of one. just Supreme Court of one. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Gotcha. And so I went up to a table, and there were three judges, and two of them got a lot of VA on the nose, is how we would call it. Uh, like nail polish remover, glue, just these really off, gross notes. And one person didn't get it at all. And so I went to the back, I grabbed a different glass, and I served it to him. And I said, now do you get it? And he was like, oh, my God, yeah, it's right there. He wasn't picking up on it before because he wasn't sensitive enough to it. And the other folks could out of a, a straight walled glass. But as soon as I put it in something that was bulbous and, and concentrated all of those aromas, he immediately picked up on it. So the glass can matter. Oh, man, you a G. But it's not always the end all be all. You can drink wine or cider or whiskey or anything out of anything that's around you. I often will be <laughs> drinking it out of quart container 
um, like plastic cups. I was just about to say, what about a plastic sippy cup? Yep, that'll okay. do. That'll That's do. what you have. I've okay. drank out of beakers. I've drank out of anything that's around you. Okay. Straight um out of the bottle. It was it was a que- what was the question I was about to ask? So you brought him the new the, the taste in the new in the new glass and he picked it up. Oh, I think I ask this every episode, but I just have to ask again. <laughs> what are cider sommeliers called called again? Pomolier. Pomolier. I ask that every time I, and I forget cuz I always think about the pop sommelier that we're going do one day. We're going to get them on here. Yes. Uh, I uh, actually was at a going away party for someone, and I said something about a, a pommelier, and the guy looked at me, and he said, that's a made-up word. And I was like, mm-hmm, so is sommelier. <laughs> Did you say, so is every word? Every word. <laughs> every word is a made-up word. I think, dude, you're not getting me on this. <laughs> that's fine. So let's go into the red wine, because I wanted you to see a side-by-side here. Okay. Of what I'm actually talking about with tannin. Okay. Um, taste first, then read. Yeah, let's taste okay. it. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Holy dryness. It tastes like I'm drinking an air conditioner. <laughs> or not even an air conditioner, because the air conditioner got moistness. This tastes like I'm drinking <laughs> a desert. And that... Is the difference between tannin and no tannin? This tastes like I'm drinking the Sahara, but not in a bad way because it's not bad. I, I like it. It's just really dry. It's super drying. So let me get to my job here. Um, we have a Malbec, and it is in a dark, dark green bottle. Um, and and a Luna, 1300, Malbec, ni- 2019. 1300 mountains, vines touching the sky. Estate produced and bottled in Valle du Uco, Mendoza, and a Luna, Argentina. Oh, Argentinian wine. Okay, I'm with that. Um, and the back says <laughs> the Barrel family ecologically farms their 70 head acres. In the Watillery District, Uco Valley region, at the base of the Andes Mountains. This unique terroir at 1,300 meters above sea level creates exceptional wines of depth and balance with noted minerality and freshness. Um, Chef Wine, oh, Chief Winemaker, I'm sorry, Chief Winemaker Manuel Gonzalez, Consultant Winemaker Hans Vending Dears, location Uco Valley, Mendoza, Argentina. Intense, bright, and purple color. Yeah. Floral, <laughs> violet notes in the beginning, and very intense, fresh, fruity expression, reminding of red plum, strawberry, and blackberry. Fresh, smooth, and balanced in the mouth with a subtle mineral texture. Aged in oak barrels for three to six months. Serve at 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 16 degrees Celsius. And you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bodega Andaluna. Um, produced and bottled by same people um, from New York. Fourteen percent alcohol by volume. Then the Surgeon General wants to talk to us and tell us what to do and what not to do. They're always getting on us about alcohol. So let's go back through this list. Silky. Yes. Powdery. Yes. Velvety. 
Mm-hmm. Plush. Yes. Fine grained. No. Polished. Yes. Chewy. No. Chunky. No. Grippy. Yes. That's 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 where that more tan and more grippy. Angular. Sorry um, for the dead space. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with my first mind. No. So when we talk about angular, it means that that tannin juts out at you, either at the front of your palate, the middle of your palate, or the end of your palate. It's not really integrated. I, I, like, I like to call it Frankenstein. I think of a hard jaw. Yeah. Does it have any of that with its tannin, or does the tannin go from front to back in one no, continuous it, it, swoop? It, it does its thing. It just keeps going. All right. It doesn't like angle. <laughs> it rounds. Like 90, 90 degree or nothing like that, no. Cotton? Yes. Suede? Yes. Satin? No. See, I get a little bit of tree bark. I can, I can, yeah, I can, I can agree to that. Um, so would you call these soft, martyr, or big tannin? Well, as dry as it is, I would say big. It's big. And so with your Malbecs, your Cabernet Sauvignons, your Nebbiolos, these are all of these grapes that are well known for having a high tannic concentration of it. You're going to want to pair these with something fatty, if we can think back to the wine pairing episode. Because if you have something fatty or something sweet, it's going to calm down how astringent the tannins are. Okay. Thank you. Now, after we did that episode, I went out to dinner at a fairly nice restaurant, and I was trying to request a wine to go with the meal that I was having. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. How did you do it? I said, what goes well with this? What did I eat? Um, I had um, I had seafood something. I had oysters as an appetizer, and then I think I had crab legs and lobster and all those shellfish kind of thingies. And um, I was asking for what goes well with it. And they were like, because I – the one I thought of the most was the butter and how the butter made the one wine taste terrible and the other wine taste fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that again, but I couldn't remember quite what the equation was to get there. And so I told them what I was looking for and they brought me something and it was just decent, but it wasn't like what we did that day on that episode. But it wasn't decent. Oh, I forgot. We're in Chicago. <laughs> Decent means good here. I, I, I forgot. I'm, I'm sorry. Please, please pardon my mistake. It wasn't decent. It was okay. It was mm. mediocre. But it didn't detract. It wasn't horrible. No, it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't what I was looking for. Mm, that's a bummer. But that's okay. You're just going to have to try more wines. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh. I'm going to just have to start remembering. Maybe I should just take pictures. Yeah. And then I can just pull it up in my phone. I'll get you a thirty-three book. Do you have this? Oh, oh yeah, because you wrote a um, you wrote one of those. I did the rum one, yeah. Right mm-hmm. there you go. There's also a really good app, um, Vovino, I think is what it's called. If I still have it, I might have gotten rid of it because I don't really need it. Yeah, Vovino, V I V I N O. And it's um, just for wine? It's just for wine, but it's an incredible database, and uh, there's actually a really cool documentary about it on Netflix and the guy that created it. It's an app for everything. I used to it, I used to hang out with a beer app, but I stopped trying different mm, beers. Untapped. Yes. Bane of my existence right now. Why? 
Is, is this still around? It's oh, it's it's used more than ever, and it's pumping right now. Huh? It is, and it's really hard to go on the back end and to sort out the difference between a restaurant and a cidery. Okay, got it. <laughs> a lot so- of work. Sorry for your trouble. <laughs> no, um, so if you want to go back to the white and see if you still think that this has a lot of tannin in it. Okay. A little French rinse. A French rinse is when you take a little bit of the next wine, pour it out, and then you have a French cup, a fresh cup, a French cup. Nope, not as not as tough as the other one. So right. Yep, that, that makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, so another thing with, uh, so you read the bottle, and it does have, it is rested in oak. And so oak tannin... Um, is a, is a thing. There's tannin coming from oak. Right. Yeah, I know it's, yeah, it's tannin coming from oak. Um, that's why they age it in the barrels that they age it in. And then a lot of places sell the barrels to other places and keep the barrels going. So they keep the party moving, keep the tannin going. Well, not the tannin, but just the vessel and the flavor. So, But well, the tannin doesn't come out again? It's only, it's a one-shot deal? It's basically a one-shot deal as far as, like, premium extraction. And you can what? measure tannins in parts per million. And... You you can look this up. Everybody will be able to say how many, the tannin range of green tea, the tannin range of coffee, the tannin range of white wine, the tannin range of red wine. But um, some tannin can be leached into wine from new oak, especially if it's a low toast. But if it's been used, those tannins have pretty much already been released. Okay. Learn something else new on this. Amazing podcast journey. Well, I learn something every week. It's just if I retain it or not. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, it's an open book. And then by o- the time, open bottle test. By the time we get out. Thank you. Always open bottle. Open bottle test. And then by the time we get out of here, I'm like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> so um, so another thing that tannins can do, though, is that they actually help protect the wine from oxidization. Okay. Because it's an antioxidant. And it's also an antimicrobial. So do you remember back in the day when superfoods were really popular? And yes. I feel like every other week we had a new superfood. Yes, like blueberries. Bam, blueberries. Berry, um, blackberry, just any, yes. So have you ever had a blueberry, like a fermented blueberry? Or have you ever taken a blueberry and like played around with it in your mouth and just like <laughs> let the skin? Okay, I guess I'm the only weirdo here. <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. Blueberries are extremely high in tannins. Okay. And so. So that's why I was a superfood? Yep. The same tannins that everyone claims gives people headaches. It's in your superfoods. Damn it. Myth debunked. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's an antimicrobial, which is fascinating because it can destroy bacteria by breaking down the cell walls. And then it messes up with the metabolism of the internal membrane. Um, so it, it causes any sort of bacteria to, like, deconstruct. Uh, and so what that does is it helps with stability in fermentation and during the aging process. It also can help preserve red pigment. So you mean if I drink more wine, I have less likely chance to get sick? Sure. Let's do that. Let's say that. I, I mean, mean, I'm not trying to make nothing up here. We got enough people doing that uh, <laughs> every day. I I'm mean, the science on this comes in and out every week. You see a new BuzzFeed article saying, Drink a, gre- a glass of red wine a day. It's good for your heart. Drink a glass of red wine. Don't drink a glass of red wine. You're drinking too much. It goes back and forth. I mean, everything in moderation. Even moderation. There it is. You tried to catch me off guard there. I ain't even had a mic up. <laughs> I, I see I see how you rolling. It's, it's all good. I'm with that. 
Um, so tannins over time, a lot of folks think that uh, aging wine has to do strictly on tannin structure. You can age a white wine, no problem, even if it has a small tannic structure. But but the aging process has it's so much more complicated than just the tannin content. There's also alcohol content, uh, acid content, sugar content. It's it's really the whole picture that can tell you if a wine is going to age over a long period of time, not just the tannin. Now let's talk about t- um, aging a touch. Can a wine age in the vessel that it's already in, or does it have to be in what it came from to consider it itself aging? Legally, has to be in the vessel. Okay. But science, no. So this bottle of wine, uh, 2019, uh, this bottle of red, and if it's stored properly, meaning on its side so that the cork stays nice and wet and mm-hmm. engaged so no oxygen gets in, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have a bunch of light around it. Mm-hmm. Also, heavy vibrations can mess up the aging. But it could sit from 2019. This wine could probably sit in this bottle and age for five to ten years or maybe more. And will it still be wine or will it change into um, well, it won't be cognac because it didn't come from the cognac region. It's, it's, it came from Argentina. So this right here, Armagnac, this white wine, that if this one sat and stayed. That would turn into cognac. It would still be wine because Armagnac has to be distilled. So it would still be wine. Okay, I got another question. Um, a lot of times, especially with champagnes you see people buying older bottles and like the older, the better, like from the sixties or whatever. Um, What are those still wine or why, why are certain years so popular, especially when you start going back in time? That's a great question. So the reason that some vintages of regions are more desirable than other vintages. So vintages just refers to the year, right? Is because of the growing season. So, um, I, I'm a, I get wine magazines that come to my house subscriptions, they print subscriptions cause I'm an old man and in each, uh, each, uh, new edition of it, they'll have a different wine region and they'll lay out the vintages that are desirable because of the growing year. So for instance, this year, um, it's looking to be a, well, I could speak for apples. I can't speak for the champagne region for this year. It's going to be a very small crop this year because we had those frosts that happened in May mm-hmm. and then really bad storms. Um, the weather has been extremely hot. The growing conditions aren't favorable and trees are usually biannual. So they usually fruit heavier one year from the next. So the price of fruit is going to go up, but that fruit has been uh, restricted in a way that can cause the cider to come out as t- to be less desirable. Um, so if you go to, if you Google any of these regions, so Champagne region, Bordeaux region, um, uh, Italian regions, and you say, what are the best vintages? It will go through and say which years were really good years and which years produced really great wines. Gotcha. Also, there is a touch of gatekeeping and um, classism that comes along, especially with champagne. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the older, the better is not always true. The more money that you spend, not always true. I just bought these two bottles. Guess how much I spent for two bottles of wine? Quality wine. 14. Mm, I wish I was that good. 27 after tax. 27. Okay. I was thinking like eight and six. Yep. 10.99 and 11.99. Because I like all these wine. Hell yeah. (laughs) 
Don't what did, what did Brian say? Don't yuck your yum. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like all these wines, six dollar bottles. Especially like when I used to cook, I I would use it a lot of times in different dishes and everything. And then, like I said, I read the back of it and see what it goes well with, and and try and get those tastes going on again. Now I have another question. Hit me. Um. This and, and all these questions may be for different episodes, and I think we kind of talked about this before, but not necessarily wines. This is kind of a ciderish question because it's talking about trees and fruit. I'm a little ciderish. How many cycles or how many times can a tree produce good fruit? Depends on the tree. Just a regular apple tree. Depends on the tree. Okay. <laughs> but so I mean, that was going to go seen, into the vine as I well. I have seen I've seen hundred year old apple trees. Wow. Okay. I've seen 200-year-old peri trees, and they're still producing great fruit. It's, it's much less fruit, uh, which is why it's more expensive. Uh, but the same thing goes into vines. Actually, we, I, oh, my God, I just picked up a pre-phylloxera wine. What? At the market. Okay. So these is, vines are old. This is layman sev. Um, I have no idea what you're, what you're talking about. So phylloxera was this tiny little bug. You don't know the story of phylloxera? I'm surprised I haven't said it on the podcast yet. It's the first time for everything. Let's get it. So this tiny little bug is native to American rootstock. And back in the day, a bunch of Europeans came over, took our wine rootstocks, and brought them over and planted them in France, Italy, Spain, etc. Well, that little bug, um, their, their native grapes were not resistant to it. And so what it does is it goes down and it, basically sucks out all of the water sources from their roots and it kills all of their vines. And so when phylloxera hit, it was such a huge, uh, massive destruction of wine vines in Europe that they, and it wasn't until they figured out that they could take American rootstock and graft them over uh, with their fruit so that the rootstock was um, pest resistant, um, that Cognac production went reduced by like 50% uh, because they just didn't have any grapes. And that's when we saw the gin craze start to pick up Mm -hmm. in um, England and also when scotch took over and when whiskey took over. All cocktails pre-prohibition were brandy cocktails, but with brandy not having being able to be produced because of the phylloxera pandemic or epidemic, pandemic I think it is, it's still there, so I think it's an epidemic, um, that's when whiskey came in and took over because we lost tons and tons and tons of acres of grapes from phylloxera. So um, there's a couple regions that still have pre-phylloxera rootstocks, and one of them is in central Spain. And I just picked up a couple cases of those for my off-premise market, which is really nerdy but really exciting because... As long as you know. (laughs) I mean... Every time I call you boozy, you get mad, and, and <laughs> I'm not trying to make my my host mad. So, um, yes, as long as you know, then the audience knows and everybody's okay with it. Yeah, but phylloxera is uh, a really fascinating bug, and it changed it changed booze history as we know it. It was very devastating. I'm with it. That's that's very very. I love it. That's 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 great. That's exactly what. I want to hear the audience was to hear. I'm always amazed by your knowledge of 
Anything that has to do with booze. I asked about a tree. You didn't really give me an answer, but you gave me an answer. And now you gave me a whole bug story on It's a good vines. bug. I it actually, is. It's I pretty cool. I have a tattooed on my back. I love it so much. Oh, hey, just like that um, fish that taught you how to swim. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You, you, have to, you have to get to know Ambrosia for real out there to, to get to see all this stuff. She's a very interesting young woman. Um, Flora and Fauna. Very into it. Yes, I'm I'm with it. So let's 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 stay let's get back on the rails and talk more about the tannins. Do we have anything else to hit tannin wise? Yeah, so there are a lot of myths about tannin and this is going to lead up into our next episode that we talked about, um, that we are going to do for debunked, which is the hangover. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of bad science out there saying that tannin gives you headaches, makes you sick. Uh, there's also some bad science out there that's saying that tannin is bitter. Okay, that makes... Um, not what not the myth that we're here to debunk makes sense, but I can see how someone would think that. I can see how someone would think that, you know, something that causes color is something that would be bitter, especially in di- different wines and you know, a lot of times people don't take the time to actually taste things. They just knock it back. They just show up. Well, not even knock it back. They just show up for the name. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like you know, a lot of these powerhouse they they used to pay people back in the day, especially rappers, to say the name of something in a song. And if you can rhyme this with this, we're gonna give you an extra little bit of this, and just to get their brand growing. And as bad as it is to say, those brands were like, don't say our name anymore ever because we don't <laughs> want y'all buying our crap. I mean, branding and sponsorship. If you look at me, t- I'm I'm in a Campari t-shirt with a seltzer hat. Like, they, they will pay you to be a billboard. Anyone, you're wearing a sports team on your head. No, this isn't a sports team. This is a... Um, See now you got now we have to add something else to the website. I do have, but it's not a sports, sports team. What is it? It is a character. Um, the movie Major League had a baseball with the sunglasses on, and this hat doesn't represent any team that exists. It's just a cartoon it's advertising for the film about sports. Well, it's not about the fi- the the hat came from a place called Baseballism, and I don't. I think they're advertising the team. Like I said, now we got to put something on the website. So also, we should probably get hats. One more time <laughs> for the listeners. If you develop websites for a reasonable cost, we need one. Well, we have one, but we need it to be developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we like need to put pictures and stuff on it yes. and everything else. Yeah. Actually, I have an idea for that. Um, in any event, Anything else? Do we do we want to hear anything else um, about tannin specifically? I, so, do you feel like you understand what is said when we talk about low tannin versus high tannin, or what tannins are in general? I understand tannins are dry, and they taste like drinking a velvet couch. <laughs> That your grandmother used to have covered up by plastic. I was just going to say, with or without the plastic. With the plastic. While the little dog barks in the background because they didn't get the plastic for you because you're a little bad kid. They got the plastic for the dog. But you really know they got the plastic for you because you was going to be sitting on the couch in the first place. (laughs) 
I'm just going down one of my I'm there. tasting I'm things. I'm there with it. Okay. Uh, you want to go back to the tea? Oh, yeah. Glad you reminded me. It's chilled down considerably. And it's not as dry anymore either. I can taste the fruit in it mm-hmm. more now. So fruity and dryness are two different things, but um, the the drying quality is what we're looking for in tannin. Not a taste, not a not a flavor, but the the proteins actually being bound up and removed from your mouth. I mean, we talk about um, leather tanning. When you tan leather, mm-hmm. you're using tannins to remove the proteins from the animal skin to make it dried out. And yep. That's what tanning is. Yeah, and and it looks awesome and distressed when you when you overdo it and it looks just right when you regular do it i'm gonna tan all of my tattoos but i've never seen a blue cow so where did navy couches come from (laughs) i don't know okay we'll have to research it if you have an answer for us you know where to hit us up at maybe it was uh, dyed with red wine then why wouldn't it be red or purple purple it's blue. Like, where did navy couch come from? I, I don't know. I like navy as a color, <laughs> but where did navy leather come from? I, we're going to have to research this. I can see brown. I've seen a brown cow. I've seen the tan cow. I've seen the light, the camel skin. I've seen pretty much every color. I've never seen a blue cow, but never I've, never been, blue cow. I've never been to Egypt. It's got to be a tanning process that goes along with it. I bet there is some kind of chemical change. Gray. Gray cows. Have you seen a gray cow? No. I haven't seen many cows. I try to stay clear of cows. What's wrong with cows? I don't like them. When I go to cider country, there are tons of cows hanging out, and they moo, and they chew their own cud. What about? And horses. I just don't really like quadrupeds. I'm a city kid. I'm, I, that's what I was just about to say. I'm from the city. Even though I spent time in the country in the summers, I never went cow tipping, but I heard oh. it's a thing. Uh-uh. Why would you get that close to them? That's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> I got to bring my buddy on now to talk about why it's so much fun. I think it's pretty cruel. But I heard that the cows sleep sitting down. Yeah. When you drive past them on the freeway, they sitting down sometimes. So what's cow tipping? I don't know. Okay. okay we've got to learn a lot off, about cows. Now we're getting off the rails again. <laughs> it's my job to put us back on. And that's what I'm going to do. So with that being said... This episode was awesome to me. Um, we didn't have a guest today, but it was just us sitting here kicking it and chilling and doing Sipping on all some the, wine, sit, do, doing all the good stuff. Doing we a mouth do. experiment, not a flavor experiment, but a mouth experiment. So, this is a call to action. We want you to let us know what libation you think we should dive into next. Please comment, ask questions anything at all and you can reach us at designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com that's designated drinkers podcast at gmail.com on instagram we are at the designated drinkers podcast on twitter at drinkers podcast and one day we'll be on facebook mm-hmm. when i get it together <laughs> that's on me um visit our website that isn't updated yet and we we another call to action please develop it for us designateddrinkerspodcast.com for photos of today's booze cocktails articles and more that will be there one day don't worry we're not just blowing smoke we'll get there 
We'll get there. We just we no. both we both have nine to fives, uh, and by nine to fives I mean nine to nine. Sometimes nine to midnight. I was just about to say from nine to five. I mean from seven to seven, <laughs> and that's eight to eight. Yeah, that's twenty four. So <laughs> you know we we have a lot going on, and assistance is always appreciated. But. Thank you for listening to another episode of our show. We really appreciate everybody who's take the time to listen to, especially for this long into the episode and this long into the series. So, Ambrosia, it was very nice speaking with you. Yeah, great hanging out with you, Seth. It's been a minute. Can't wait till we do it again. And with that being said, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Cheers.